0: On this episode of the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast, I sit down with Colin Mitchell, the host of the Sales Transformation Podcast, which just hit 1 million downloads, and also the CRO of SalesCast. We follow up on the podcast I was on with him, and we also discuss branding. We also discuss sales, marketing, and growth of the business. It's a really cool episode stick around until the end. You're not going to want to miss a single minute of this. As always, please like, share, download. Great five stars. We really do appreciate it. Now, on with the show. Intro. The Surviving Outside Sales Podcast, hosted by Mike O'Kelly, presented by Rhythm AI. The goal is to get in, dominate, then get out. Surviving Outside Sales. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have the SalesCast CRO and the host of the Sales Transformation Podcast, Mr. Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. I had a great time having you on my show, so I know that we're going to have fun.
0: Absolutely. Love having these conversations, especially with, I mentioned on your podcast, somebody that I want to emulate as far as podcasting and just being really consistent. It's something that we talked last time I really wanted to do. have to say off the jump, if you haven't listened to his podcast, after listening to the Surviving Outside Sales podcast, jump over to his. You recently hit 1 million downloads. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Yeah. It's kind of mind-blowing, but been doing the show for, I guess, about two years now. And early on, we switched to doing, dropping five episodes a week, which really helped obviously. But yeah, it's crazy.
0: Absolutely. So you know that in the sales world, this is to my listeners, that people are following his advice and helping to transform their lives in the sales industry. So I hope to get there one day, you know, it's half a million downloads per year on average. Although I know you're probably scaling a lot faster than you did that first year, but I know that our conversation about a month ago, I've really tried to implement some of those things that you guys are doing. So I do appreciate that. So introduce yourself to the audience and tell them where you come from and what you're up to today.
1: Yeah. So I'll give you a brief background. I grew up raised by a single mom, four brothers. We were dirt poor, like literally grew up on food stamps, came up short, couldn't pay the rent, lived in motels, pretty much had a not so great childhood, to be honest. And you know, I was a horrible student and nobody was really telling me that school was important. So I didn't think it was. And so college was not in the cards for me. I didn't go to college. My first like actual job was lugging around furniture after once I finally started to kind of get my, you know, you know what together. And at 20 years old, it was like, eh, it's not too bad. I get to stay in shape. I'm outside, get some little extra cash with tips. But I knew that if something didn't change, that my life was going to look very similar as an adult, as it as it did as a kid, you know, check to check, struggling, you know, things like that. And I didn't want that. I didn't know what I want to do. I just knew I didn't want to be poor. And so I literally had to beg for my fail- first sales job because I mean, let's <laughs> be honest, like there was not a lot of opportunities for somebody like me. Uh, a lot of people like to say, oh, they fell into sales or they had a plan a, a and it was their plan B or it was their fallback plan or they never thought they'd get into sales, right? But for all these, you know, I've heard all these stories obviously wow. on sales transformation, but for me, it was like, there was no other doors open. Like sales was it for me. So I had to make the most out of it. In my first sales job, you know, the training was pretty formal. It was like, here's the script, there's the phone, and don't use the CRM because it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was the first one in the office, last one to leave every day, came in on Saturdays to get my list ready, send proposals, do all those sort of things so that I could have a good week the next week. Worked my way up to the top there pretty quickly. Thought that the next logical step was management for me. My, my manager kept telling me I was ready. They were going to give me a team. Frankly, I wasn't ready, but I think he just didn't have the guts to tell me that. So mm-hmm. I moved on, took a VP of sales position somewhere else, learned a little bit more business acumen, learned how to manage people, which I was horrible in that first role, to be honest, and, uh, and then drove you know millions of dollars of revenue for that business. And then eventually started my first company with my wife in 2010. We scaled that business from zero to 5 million in annual revenue in 26 months. Mm. All fueled wow. by sales, zero dollars spent on marketing, nothing fancy. And then from there I started a few other companies, recently had an exit for a UCAS business that I had. And then now most of my focus and my time is spent with Salescast, where we're a you know B2B podcast agency. So we help people basically have a content led growth strategy that drives revenue for them or their business through podcasting. Wow.
0: Well, there you go. That's a lot of great experience, and you know, I think going back to the first role, I think that there's a hunger in the belly that I think some people who went to college or you know have better resumes or things like that that, we, that they don't have. So, was that the driving force behind your success? Was was it a chip on the shoulder? Was it just I don't have anything and I'm never going back to that? Talk about your motivation because. You went from zero to twenty did you say twenty-six million?
1: Oh no. So the first oh. company you took about the first company, my first sales job or the first company I started?
0: First company you started.
1: Yeah. So we went from zero to five million in but, 26 months.
0: Oh, 26 months. I, I am yeah, I apologize. So a little over that. two,
1: yeah. So a little okay. over two I, I, years.
0: I had that 26 yeah. months, but that came from the foundation. And I think the foundation you mentioned was just the fact you came from nothing. So was that how you kind of you know, mentally, is that how you were driven to succeed in your earlier days? Cause I really do believe your foundation in sales, and I mean you kind of in the plural sense of everybody, in mm-hmm. your success in sales starts with those first roles, that first training, the molding of you as a sales professional. Yeah. What what was your motivation and how do you think that was different than the people you were working with or working against?
1: Yeah. So I mean it to go back just a little bit further before there, that Mm -hmm. company, right. It was like, I had no other option. There was no plan B like sales is most people's plan B, right? Whatever they went to school for didn't work out. So they get a sales job. Like that's typical story of a lot of people in sales. Nothing wrong with that, but it was me for me, there was no fallback plan. If sales didn't work out, what was I going to do? Live check to check and be poor for the rest of my life. And that wasn't an option. And so, and so then when I, you know, Decided to go into entrepreneurship and start my own company with my wife. I didn't want to go back. You know, I didn't want to, like, failure wasn't an option. And so, you know, I kind of brought up, you know, briefly what my childhood looked like. And it's like everything that happened to me as a kid, as much as it sucked, like, I've seen my mom get shot. Like, you know, I used to visit my dad in prison. Like, a lot of horrible stuff has happened. But all of those things that happened, like, built me to who I am today. So, like, business challenges that freak people out. I lean into them and I'm super comfortable right there. And that's sort of a superpower that I've been able to develop because it's like this. Yeah, it's hard, but it's way better than what I used to have to deal with. So Mm -hmm. it's not that big of a deal to me. And, you know, people who maybe didn't have it as rough as I did as a kid might freak out and quit and give up, you know? So, you know, I just kind of view it as like failure is not an option. And mm-hmm. maybe I had something to prove. Maybe I had a chip on my shoulder. Maybe I wanted to prove that I was, you know, not going to be like my dad. Maybe, you know, I didn't want to have to go get a job with my tail in between my legs. Like, you know, those are all things that I think definitely motivated me to, you know, find success but also like part of success is failing on your face and making a lot of mistakes. And most people can't handle that. And, you know, I can kind of just, you know, pick myself up and, and move on and not make a too big of a deal of it. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of times people are held back by fear, you know, and fear doesn't make me that uncomfortable. You know, I can like quickly process something and kind of think, eh, what's the worst possible outcome, I'm sometimes my wife, we balance each other out. Right. So I'm a little bit more of a risk taker. She's a little bit more practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, she definitely can reel me in sometimes when it's a good idea for sure. But you know, a lot of the cases I'll just chalk it up as simple as like, what's the worst possible outcome of this risk, this taking the chance on this. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I can live with that. Like, I think I could survive that. So let's just do it, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that not everybody processes things that way. And, and, and i definitely think that the you know my experience growing up has a lot to do with you know how i'm able to do that
0: no that's a great thank you for sharing that and it sounds like you're very comfortable with being uncomfortable or being in uncomfortable situations and exactly yeah. that is one of the strongest skills i believe you can have not just as a salesperson but as an entrepreneur and i'll answer that question what's the worst thing that can happen in any scenario you die will that ever come up in sales no Yeah. So therefore it doesn't matter what happened. You could lose your job. Great. Okay. You know, you could, you know, your business, you could try it and you fail it. If it doesn't kill you, it just makes you stronger. And so what I'm hearing is just you being able to overcome very uncomfortable situations over and over and over again. So if you're listening, even if you have uncomfortable situations, it doesn't mean it's going to end you. You you might go through a rough patch, but it's just a patch. I've gone through a patch in my career. I always look back and I think to myself, why did I stress out? You know, it's just, it was six weeks of my life. Why did I stress out? You know, when what came along, the opportunity that came along was much better and it was much more fulfilling. And that keeps happening to over and over again, all of a sudden you're like, all right, like you said, and sometimes that comes with experience that this is what's the worst that could happen. And you just kind of deal with it and you make a quick decision, possibly you pivot. Oh, I really do appreciate you sharing. And so I wanted to go back to the, the company you built, you know, zero to five, no marketing dollars. I guess, how did you do it? Just a simple question is that 26 months, what was that process like to bring in 5 million of revenue with no marketing? How did that happen? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like many of the listeners I know are outside, you know, sales professionals. I'm an inside sales guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sales, obviously, there's a lot in common whether you're doing inside or outside sales, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. But there's part of me that was always jealous. I was like, I wish I, you know, people who knock on doors and cold call in person, like, there's part of me that always wish like, that was part of my story because people that survive that, like they go on to do great things. <laughs> you know, It's yeah. a little different when you're on the phone, like somebody can hang up on you and call you a bad name, but you know, you're there in person. There's a lot more that could go wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. Although I will say people are less likely to really tell you what they think about you to your face on the phone. Yeah. I feel like people have no fear. Like I've seen some of those uh, yeah. cold call reenactments. Yeah. With live with live audio. And man, yeah. I tell you, <laughs> I don't know if I yeah. could do inside sales because I don't know if I could have people just being honest because people's behavior changes when you meet them in person, at least, especially for me, you know, six, four, 260 pounds. I didn't have very many people try to get confrontational with me. Now they might've said things behind my back. They might've told the truth to somebody once I left, but no, I don't think, look, you, you, you did just fine in inside sales. You know, outside sales does take a little bit different, but. Yeah, there is a little survivor mentality, but you know, going back to you know, sorry, going back to the inside sales part. So you went to 26 months, zero to five million. So that was an inside sales, but I'm sure there's still
1: scaling tips. Oh, yeah, there's lots that went wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, the that was a very transitional period for me where you know, prior to that, I was your typical salesperson that everybody hates. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think around that time, I started to really understand that like my reputation matters and started to understand more building relationships rather than selling transactions, you know, and a lot started to change when, you know, I started to change, I think, and I started to invest more time in podcast, listening to podcasts, you know, Mm -hmm. reading books and really just educating myself and trying to be the best at my craft. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, early on, it was me selling right and and so i did most of the sales pretty pretty much all of the sales and you know when you start to treat people differently like it's not a transaction and you start to then you know you start to get a lot more referrals referrals are a lot easier and you start to build more of a reputation and you start to treat people differently than every other salesperson and it's a lot easier to stand out mm-hmm. and be very successful in whatever it is that you do whatever it is that you're selling, whether it's inside sales, outside sales, doesn't matter. Right. And so that a lot of it, a lot, I attribute a lot of the success to that. But then from there, obviously we had to hire people. And so we were very strategic in hiring, you know, really good quality people. And, you know, some of those got us into trouble. You know, we got, you know, we had like three hires that got us into lawsuits, you know, because oh we God. we poached them from competitors. <laughs> you know, straight up. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, BS law in California and I don't know other states too. I don't, I only really know California, but about trade secrets and this and that and what you can do and what you can't do when you leave a company and go to... And so it got messy, you know, and we had to write some big checks, you know, but it was worth it because those hires paid off big time. And we found a niche that we worked really well in and we played only there we did really well in the K through 12 space and we just put a completely exhausted that space before even tapping into any other niches. Mm-hmm. And so that was key. You know, when you have a, a focus, you can do really well. You know, I think early on, you know, you ask a founder or a founder that sells or, you know, early company, you know, who their ICP is and they kind of shrug their shoulders and I'm like, I don't know anybody that'll write us a check, <laughs> you know, and this is even applies for, 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 Individual sellers, like there might be, you know, I think a lot of your listeners are outside sales folks and a lot of them are maybe like in medical space and stuff like that, right? Anything, Mm. any other ones that I'm maybe not thinking about?
0: Yeah. You know, in the medical, we call, you know, dental eye care, but also I'd say, you know, insurance sales, BEV sales, anything where you're, anything where you're really recurring, that recurring sales model, not, you know, you're going door to door in a neighborhood and you're just trying to sell solar panels. Like if somebody says no, they say, no, they're not going to change their mind probably in a year. So you're not going to, you're not going to knock on their door again, but yeah, that's pretty much.
1: Yeah. So, so medical sales, like maybe you, you know, only mesh really well with a very specific type of doctor. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Or, you know, if you're in Bev sales, you know, maybe you only do well with dive bars, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) you know, like find your niche and own it. Right. Because, you know, People buy from people that solve a problem for them. You know, maybe that's saving money. Maybe that's providing a better service. Maybe that's giving them something innovative that they don't have access to otherwise. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, people buy from people that solve a problem, yes. But they also only buy from people that they know, like, and trust. And so you're going to mesh with certain people and not everybody's going to be a fit for you and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, But find the people that are. Look at your recent wins. See if you have some you know, common commonality amongst them. Maybe it's, Mm. you know, a specific niche. Maybe it's a specific type of doctor. Maybe it's even if you go a little bit deeper, maybe it's even people who have specific personality traits, something that people often don't think about. But the people that want to do business with me typically have some things in common. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same reason why there's certain people, you know, Mike, that you're going to be friends with. Mm -hmm. And there's certain people that you're not going to be friends with. Yep. And so if you take that lens into who you sell to, you can find a lot of success.
0: Yeah. And, and so if you're listening right now, the ICP is initial customer profile. So you're, you always want to, you know, profiling quote unquote is bad, but you want to, when you start or when you're trying to really, as Colin said, niche down, you want to find out. So I'll give an example. So I used to sell radiation machines and the dermatologists that we would sell to the ones I would look for did not have a surgeon on staff. Those were the, those are the, we called it low hanging fruit because what the machine would do is what the Mohs surgeon. So Mohs is a procedure to remove layers of skin in periodic fashion to get rid of the cancer. Some dermatology offices have a Mohs surgeon theirs to do all the surgeries and they cut 24 seven they're not going to be as open to a radiation machine that does the same thing immediately. Now there are offices that like to have both. You give them a non-surgical and a surgical, but I, my ICP was offices that were treating skin cancer, but we're sending those patients away. And so yeah. in any business, it doesn't matter what you're selling. There's always going to be even a niche within a niche. So I was selling to dermatologists, but I was selling to dermatologist that didn't have a surgeon. And so, as you mentioned, you want to, you want to live in the niche, and yeah. I think what you said, you know, resonates, even if you're an in inside sales or outside sales, finding that ICP that, you know, the initial customer profile, and that's really what part of the planning and part of the process of starting, even if, even if you've really crushed it, your market's going to change your patient or your, I say patients, your clients might change with it. So I, I yeah, I wrote down a couple of words. And one of the things you mentioned earlier was brand. And mm-hmm. I think, I think Salescast, I think your podcast does an excellent job of branding. What, what's some of your advice on, cause you even mentioned you, you know, you didn't have the best reputation. If somebody today maybe doesn't have their best reputation or their reputation is not where they want it to be. What do you think they should do to pivot and how can one elevate their brand in sales?
1: Yeah. Great question. So a few things, if you're, if you, have done nothing for your personal brand and sales, or you don't have the greatest reputation. Well, take a step back and think about that for a second. Like, what is it? Why haven't you invested in your personal brand? You know, why don't you have a good reputation in sales? And start to attract or follow people that you think do. That's a great place to start to observe, right? And sort of review where you're at. And then the next thing is to get into action right away. Okay. Because, well, people think, people have this fantasy that their personal brand is something that they need to create, right? Mm-hmm. Mike, you have a personal brand. Well, I don't need to create my brand to be like your brand, right? Mm-hmm. My brand is me, my story, my experiences, the market that I serve, the community that I serve, all of the things that I care about as a human being, not just as a seller, as a human being. And you just need to start being more comfortable in that. A lot of times in sales, people try to be someone they're not, Mm -hmm. right? They might see a top producer or somebody who's constantly hitting quota or always making president's club, and they want to mirror that person. That's exhausting. When you can authentically show up as yourself, then that is your brand. Mm -hmm. And you just need to own it and you may need to be more social about it right we all have you know social media right i don't know you know depending on who you serve where do they hang out do they hang out on linkedin do they hang out on twitter i don't know but wherever your ideal customer profile hangs out that's where you should be putting out content original content about you and your brand and your experiences now, it shouldn't be a big sales pitch, right? There might be a mix of personal, mix of business, educational, find ways to add value. You can take sales calls that you have, and you don't have to name drop people, but you can share those experiences, You know things like that. Those always make for great content. And once you get into action of creating content and just owning your brand, then you start to have a different level of awareness. And with that level of awareness, you'll start to look for opportunities to, you know turn things into content right maybe it's a conversation you have with somebody maybe you consume a piece of content that inspires you to give your thoughts on a particular topic you'll start to have that awareness of like looking for opportunity to create mm-hmm. and if you're in sales today like you kind of need to be a little bit of a marketer as mm-hmm. well if you want to be successful now if you want to take the back seat and sort of think oh this is the way i've always done things, well, then, you know, you're going to take a backseat on the leaderboard, too.
0: Surviving Outside Sales Podcast is brought to you by Rhythm AI. If you are an outside sales, check out RhythmAI.com. That's R-I-T-H-M-A-I.com. The sales enablement tool that will help outside sales teams build their best sales days every day. Rhythm, prospecting, targeting, and routing simplified. Everything an outside sales team needs, nothing it doesn't try for $1 for the first month today. That's rhythmai.com. Now back to the show. Yes. The dreaded, this is the way we've done things. And this is the way I'm always going to do them. I think it's the worst sentence in the English language. It's the most yeah. limiting mindset, but uh, yeah, I love what you're talking about, you know, building that brand. And I, I, a lot of people ask me, you know, why, I mean, I logo up everything, you know, and I'm an outside sales. And so I do meet a lot of people face to face. And I I just, I made the decision. I said, look, I, if nobody else is going to promote me, then I'm going to promote myself. And I get a lot of people that ask, you know, what's the SOS stand for? And it starts a conversation. And that's really what I want. You know, I don't want to walk around with Nike and Under Armour and just generic brands on my clothing. I said, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to be a walking billboard, you know, for my brands. And you know, just the consistency of, I wear a lot of, I wear hats, big hat guy. So I've got a lot of different embroidered hats and, yeah. you know, so it's, it's not just, you know, showing up and, and kind of, I guess not being flashy, but it is just kind of being consistent and kind of showing who you are. And, you know, I made the personal decision, you know, you're not a very flashy guy and you've been very successful. I'm not, I don't think it's flashy, but I just, I still like you know, I see the power of putting logos on. It's very memorable. Outside sales professionals are out and about. You know, we, we meet a lot face-to-face. And I just want, I want that, I want the SOS logo. I want the Rhythm AI logo. I want that embedded in their head just for maybe a year down the road or two years down the road. But, you know, I think it's a great exercise you mentioned is to kind of just self-inspect, be very retrospective of who you are and be honest with yourself. Don't beat yourself up. If you have to pivot, there have been times in my career where I've had to check myself and check my ego and say, is this really what I want people to think about me? And you just, you just, you realize tomorrow's a new day and people forget very quickly. Once you start doing the right things and you start getting back into that world that you want to be in, people will forget they'll forgive and they'll, or they'll forget what you used to be because most people just care about what you can do in that moment for them. So the good news is all hope is not lost. So I do want to get your thoughts. If you want to add anything to that in a second, please feel free. What are your thoughts on the differences between brand and image? Are they hand in hand? Are they two sides of the same coin? What's your, what's your thought about that?
1: Mm, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I've never really thought about it, to be honest. So you know, brand and image, I guess I kind of feel that they're the same, right? I mean, your image is how people view you and your brand is, you know, kind of similar how people remember you or how you're viewed. I mean, I think they're they're very similar. I don't know that there's much difference. I don't know, maybe you have a different perspective on that, but both matter whether you think they're the same or different. You know, something that I've trained hundreds of reps and something that I always tell people and and I talk about it all the time and anybody who follows anything is probably Heard me say it way too many times, but I'll say Mm -hmm. it for those who maybe have never heard it. Obviously, you know, for your (laughs) listeners here is I've trained hundreds of people and and I always tell them that the goal is to give a good experience, regardless of the outcome. And that's how people remember you, right? Because people remember how you make them feel. And that's part of your personal brand. Mm -hmm. That's part of your image, whatever we want to call it, right? Is how you make people feel. Give them a memorable. Experience. And that could mean, and I say this regardless of the outcome, whether they become a client, whether they don't become a client, or even the worst, maybe they become a client and for some reason, some point, stop being a client, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of those three possible outcomes, make sure that they had a good experience mm-hmm. because it matters. Your reputation matters, your brand matters, your image matters. All of these things matter because, you know, if if, if they don't do business with you, who's to say that they can't refer somebody to you? Who's to say that they don't then go on somewhere else and want to do business with you because the decision to not do business with you was out of their control, right? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, obviously, if they do business with you, you would hope that they would have a good experience unless you want to experience churn or them to you know mm-hmm. move on at some point. That's why... You know, being slick or being sly and maybe fooling the customer and, and not being honest with them is not a good recipe for closing deals, right? Because those people are not going to stick around. And then, if for some reason it doesn't work out, you know, try to end on good terms. You know, and uh, so the goal there, like I said, is to give them a good experience regardless of the outcome.
0: No, that's great advice. My opinion, I think I do agree. Image and brand are very similar. I think the image is what you portray. It's what you outwardly show. And then the brand is how people receive it and how they think about it, especially when you're not around. Do you think that hits the mark? Would you tweak that in any way?
1: Well, I would say the only thing I would add to that okay. is hopefully those are aligned. Yes. I right? Yeah. Because okay. if you're out there trying to, as people say, create your personal brand, mm-hmm. then those things could be very different. Mm-hmm. Right, What you're thinking and what people are receiving or remembering could not add up if you're trying to be somebody else or you're trying to make your brand match somebody else's Mm. or you're trying to be somebody else or Mm. you're, you know, a lot. And and, and in sales, it's tough, right? Here's the talk track. Here's the script. Here's how we do things. And sometimes that's a recipe for disaster. Now, I'm a believer in scripts and talk tracks and frameworks and things that you need to follow. Mm but Sellers have to have ownership in that and be able to do it in an authentic way that feels comfortable to them. Because that's the only way that they can do it confidently. And so when you get into these situations where sales leaders are like, no, you have to say it this way. You Mm -hmm. have to do it this way. Uh, Why would you do that? Like Your your sellers are not going to be successful trying to do something that they don't feel confident in.
0: No, I agree. Yeah. Confidence is key, especially when you're you know, meeting somebody for the first time, it's an awkward situation. Yeah. Especially over the the phone. It's the, you know, it's the, you're catching somebody by surprise. I can imagine you had a lot of awful, (laughs) awkward conversations in inside sales. I don't know if you want to share any real quick or some of your doozies.
1: I mean, you get the, a lot of people will just hang up. Some people polite, some people not, you know, my personal favorite that stands out the most, right. Is Mm -hmm. so at SalesCast, we managed podcasts for individuals and brands and a lot of times that's you know thought leaders in the sales space. There's a lot of a lot of the big names in sales are our clients. Mm-hmm. And so I actually cold called really well known, you know, sales author, you know, probably I won't mention him by name, but okay. if you've been in sales a while, you've probably read one of his books. And uh, and I cold called him. And he thanked me. He's like, "Thanks so much for calling me. Nobody ever effing calls people anymore. (laughs) And of course I booked the meeting and he hasn't become a client yet, but that actually happened not too long ago, but it's just one that's kind of stuck with me as a a funny story.
0: Yeah. That reminds me, I, I I get hit up on LinkedIn all the time. I'm sure you do as well on people connecting and then wanting to sell stuff. And it's funny. I you know, I, uh, there was a developer. I don't know if I told you this uh, before we shot our podcast or we shot your podcast and the guy just at the right time. I've just been, I was looking for somebody to help me build out, build out websites, excuse me. Uh And I was like, sure. Great. I'm available for the next two hours. Crickets. The the guy, the guy's message was, Hey, thanks so much for connecting. And I know it was automated because I know the game and he probably used one of those things I used to use the automation for LinkedIn. And it said, Oh, you know, we do this and our rates only this, Mm -hmm. you know, if you need any help with websites, let me know. I mean, literally five minutes after the message was sent out, I said, great. Yeah. I'm free for two hours. Let's chat. The guy looks at my profile and then never calls, never reaches out, never does anything. And, you know, it was just kind of like, I can see why the guy said, thank you for calling. Yeah. If somebody picked up the phone right now, if you're listening, I'd like to discuss some kind of like website development. I know that, you know, we talked Colin about there's ways to help with the podcast. I I, I might want to do something outside of that, but, you know, please reach out to me. I always put my email in some of my podcasts and some people reach out and then some people don't as far as I say, Hey, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z, you know, please email me. I'm willing to throw money at something and then people don't, don't send it out. So I understand what that author is saying. I thought it was going to be an author you had mentioned that I'm actually going to have on the podcast in about a week or two. I won't mention his name either in case, but when we get offline, I'd love to know who that author was. I know it doesn't help the audience, but hey, it's it's my show. I can can ask for information off air whenever I want. So, you know... I, I agree with what, what you said about you know responding to the image and brand. Another thing that I, I really kind of... I think that SalesCast does a really great job is kind of pushing and talking about with some of your, your guests on your podcast about innovation in technology and how we can use that in the sales process. And so what do you see as trends coming up, not just for insights or not just for excuse me, you know, this is live. So sometimes I get tongue-tied, uh, not simply for the outside sales audience, but just in general for sales. Yeah. Doesn't have to be inside, doesn't have to be outside. Zoom really was kind of a game changer for mm-hmm. especially outside sales. What do you think is is the next wave? What do you see as trends in technology? Can you speak on some of the things you, you're seeing, hearing, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I mean, whew, I mean, there are so many it's such a good time to be in sales. Like there's so many things that if you use them wisely, they can help you be more productive. they can help you be more you know personalized with people. they can help you. I mean you know if you're at a decent sales org, you should obviously have like a CRM and you have probably like you know sales you know tools like Zoom or whatever you use to make me but do meetings. Some things that I really love is I love using video love using video at all stages of the sales process. So I'm a big fan of BombBomb. And so we use BombBomb. Vidyard's another option as well. Um, I just really like the way that your uh, prospects or customers can consume the video, the way that it it, it is delivered to them. But Vidyard's also a great alternative. I'm a big fan of, of Wingman. So Wingman is a really cool tool that will show up to your virtual meetings. It'll transcribe those calls. You can look for keywords, the, mm-hmm. the piece that I like about it, you know, everybody's heard of Gong and Chorus and some of these other names, but the key differentiator with Wingman that I really love is the live coaching. So mm-hmm. for example, Mike, if if you and I were on a sales call right now and, and you mentioned one of my competitors, then it would pop up a cue card with a bunch of information for me for top mm-hmm. tracks. If you said the word like too expensive... <laughs> um, then it would give me a bunch of ways on how to It actually just popped up funny enough it, yeah. it would it would give me some ideas on how to handle that right mm. so that's the part that i really love about wingman another tool that i'm really excited about is humantics humantics.ai and so what they do is they're really giving you you know personality types so you can take a linkedin profile uh-huh. and then it's going to tell me everything that i need to know about mike oh wow so that i can know how to reach out to mike how Mike likes to buy things, how, you know, what, you know, personality traits and things that matter to Mike so that I can see, hey, are Mike and I aligned? You know, does it make sense for us to do business together? Number one. And then two, if we are going to go down that path, you know, I should have some key information and insights on, you know, how to build a relationship in a real, authentic way based on some, some facts that are, that are available through AI. And, And so that those insights are really helpful. One, so that you can, Focus on the right people, and then you know when you're engaged with those people, have some good information on how they like to be interacted with mm-hmm. So do you think
0: that you know and in, in outside sales, especially in the industry that i was that I was in, email was not as readily used yeah until the pandemic. Do you think that there's value in let's say an outside sales rep doing a short video and sending it via email?
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe before the meeting. Yeah. Maybe after the meeting. Right. So I mean, you want to give people an experience, right? Are you going to be like every other outside sales rep that, you know, only has a touch point when you're there in front of them? Yeah. No. Go follow them on social. Engage with them. Send them a video. Thank them for their time. You know, maybe give them a little recap. You expect them to remember everything you talked about? Like they're busy. Like what you do is such a low priority to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so you can layer in video before the meeting to get them excited about the meeting. Maybe you can layer in video after the meeting, you know, schedule some time to do show up in a different way than everybody else in your space.
0: Yeah. No, that's fantastic advice. And it's fat and funny that, you know, I haven't talked about it to my audience yet, but with Zoom becoming so prevalent. Wingman, that is something you know. If you're listening right now, please look into it because I wish that I, I you know, during a during a process, you say a lot during a you know, a discovery call or yeah. a sales call, you say so much, and so I would love to have a transcript because sometimes you yeah. try to remember everything you can, and yeah. you're furiously taking notes, but you know, a lot of people will give you the avenue to sell them. There's something so- that they say that. Is going to resonate much louder. And they could say things like, Well, you know, my real headache. So it didn't matter what they said before, is from the standpoint of that whatever they're about to say is now one A is right at the top. But it's yeah. also good to hear the, you know, in between. Like if they give you six reasons, maybe your response to number one A wasn't the best. Or yeah. it wasn't exactly or well, you might
1: have missed it. something. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And you might need further clarification. You're like, why didn't I ask? why didn't I follow up on that? Why didn't I ask more? So mm-hmm. reviewing that is, is huge. And then yeah. if you're up for it, well, well, how would you feel if I, if I gave you sort of your, you know, human profile, see if it, it like, you yeah. Know, it, okay. So yeah. the funny thing is, it says we're, we're, we're very aligned. We have okay. the same profile. So Great. we're both, uh, SD, right? If you follow a disc or if you've ever read disc selling. So we're okay. both SD personality types, right? So
0: okay. that That's means good, that right? pleasant,
1: thoughtful, quick, <laughs> somewhat somewhat formal, but apt to objectives and describe you. So so we have the same profile, which is okay. funny. Yeah. And so here's, it says you're a strategic planner, learnt long-term focus and results focused. So those are the things that you care about most.
0: I mean, that's crazy. I mean, literally, that's you know, it's I don't know if it's one of those things where like you read a horoscope, and just yeah. because you know you're reading a horoscope, you start to believe everything it says. But I don't know, exactly I'm not a horoscope
1: guy. No. I'm not a horoscope guy. No, neither am um,
0: neither am I, but it, people were like, you know, but no, that's, so it, gets that's cre- it
1: gets creepier. It says the and and you might you might say this is wrong, but let's see. Says that you're 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 likely to be a fast follower than an early adopter. You like to get a grasp on the process before you start making decisions, and you're reasonably social and can develop affinity towards you over time.
0: Hmm. The only thing I would disagree with is I am a early adopter. That's the only thing uh, I knew. I
1: had a feeling you were going to challenge that.
0: Yes, just threw it out there. Yeah, that's the only thing. And so I'm wondering. You know, again, you come back with image and brand is what I think I am not accurate. I think I'm an early adopter. I really mm-hmm. jump on things very quickly as long as I conceptualize it now. The only question is, are the things that I'm being judged on things that I did wait on? Yeah. So, so
1: I mean it gets yeah. creepier, man. Like oh, it boy. gives you how to how to how to handle cold email with Mike, you know, how you should structure a cold call with Mike. What is does it How say? you should how you should deal with closing calls with Mike. Like it, oh, I mean, it but Let's the key. See. The key thing of it all (laughs) is it's saying that you and I have the same personality type, right? So you're always going to be more likely to do business with people people that you have a lot of similarities in, right? Uh If you and I were like totally opposite type of personalities, like we might go down a long sales cycle and essentially butt heads at some point.
0: Okay. What what so you heard it here humantics.ai. If you're listening right now, if you're in sales, do you have a promo code that I can share with the audience?
1: I don't, but I I can get one. I, okay. I actually just had a call with the founder today. Okay, and so Colin's I'm happy gonna, to get a link. Yeah,
0: yeah. By the time this airs in a couple of weeks, Colin's going to have a he's going to have a code. And if not.
1: Um, If not, they offer a free 21 day trial. So like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll try to see if we can get some promo code and and if not, like it's so.
0: That is, that is amazing. So what does it say about how to cold call or how to email me and how to end a call? I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you how close this is.
1: Yeah. Okay. So for subject line, it's saying to the point informal. Agreed. Uh, salutation no. Skip. Skip high or hey with you. Okay. Uh, greeting no. Skip lines like I hope you are doing well. Yes. Skip that. <laughs> Avoid emojis and gifts. Yes. Bullet points you could use. Yes. A closing line formally state and ask. Yes. With you. Complimentary close, none or standard. So try something simple like thanks regards or nothing at all. Tone of words confident with a formal touch. So I mean, it goes. Wow, that no, that
0: is that is actually really scary. How (laughs) it's like they just peeked into my brain. That's amazing. And so, do you you think they're analyzing the information uh, because of you know SD, or are they doing it because they're really analyzing every little post, every little thing?
1: Yeah, they're not entirely sure. How to answer that? I believe it's it's a combination of both, right? So they're aggregating a lot of data from content you put out, from things gotcha. that you do to land on a you know personality, and then mm. yeah, there's some there's some frameworks and some things on how to deal with those you know, personalities. So they've That's got right. to analyze you analyze you specifically to yeah. determine what profile you are, and then a lot of these tips are you know based on that profile.
0: Wow. And so if you're listening right now and you're an outside sales, your company is probably not going to pay for this, but you know what? these things, I mean, this is like fishing with dynamite as my partner, Justin would say, this is having such a leg up because I a hundred percent agree with you. People are going to buy from people that are very similar to them. They're not going to buy, you know, if you're oil and water or uh, yeah, that's a good analogy or oil and water. (laughs) If if I get on a call with somebody who's very cerebral and methodical, they might think that I'm crazy. They might just think that,
1: you know, and here's where it gets really tricky, right? is because a lot of salespeople are taught to mirror, right? And like, and so you might be able to trick a person into you know starting a sales process with you because you're kind of trying to be like them, which is exhausting mm-hmm. and a lot of work, yep. but you're not being your authentic self. But at some Back point, here. your authentic self is going to come out and that's where you're going to butt heads, right? So if we take the mm-hmm. example that you gave, Mike, right? Where you only worked with specific people who, you know, specific companies that didn't have, you know, that person on site, Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Now, let's say you had a list of those people, then you ran a profile, you know, on that list of people, you could then have, hey, here's the 20% of people I should focus my most attention on, right? Mm Or put my most energy out towards these people because they're the most likely to do business with me based on that information.
0: Yeah. No, that's absolutely wild. And so again, if you're listening right now, you want to talk about finding your initial customer profile and getting the right people, because that's what it is. You know, Colin, we always talk about with rhythm and with thriving outside sales, it's the right people. It's not just making a hundred calls, but it's calling a hundred of the right people. Yeah. Because you could I could call a hundred people that are engineers and I'm speaking sales and they're speaking code and they're not going to be interested in what I have right. to say. We're speaking two different languages. And so it's not about volume, it's about specificities. But you said it was Bomb Bomb. Is that B-O-M-B-O-M? Yep. Yep. Okay. Bomb Bomb. Definitely check out Wingman to make sure you're not losing any of those keynotes. humantics AI. I'm definitely going to check that out because that is. Wow, that is incredible, and I do like I do like talking to people that are very similar to me. I think that's why our conversations have been so much fun. Right. And like you know, jo- Josh Wagner and you know Brian and some of the other guys that I've gotten connected through Salescast. It's just everybody kind of is very similar. But you know what? What does the future hold for for your podcast for Salescast, and how can people connect with you if they're interested in podcasting if they're interested in you know joining you know the community tell the audience you know what's up and how they can connect
1: yeah so to just really keep it simple the best thing to do to find out how to get connected with anything else that I'm involved with mm-hmm. is just go check out the podcast you know okay. whatever podcast platform you're enjoying this episode on today search out sales transformation smash that subscribe button we drop five episodes a week from there, you can find out and get access to anything else that, you know, you might want to like salescast or podcasting or LinkedIn or whatever the case is, but that is the best place to start.
0: Awesome. Well, Colin, I really do appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast and then joining Surviving Outside Sales. I know that the audience is going to really enjoy this. So I'll give you the last words and then we'll sign off. Anything to say?
1: Ooh, we covered so much. I know. It's hard to. And I'm putting you on the spot. Thing. Yeah, I would say, you know, we we talked about a lot, but if you just take one thing away from everything that we talked about today, your brand is not something you need to create, right? It's who you are and you just need to start to put in some effort and be more vocal about the things that you care about. And, you know, maybe it's start posting on social. Maybe it's, you know, you start to have that level of awareness to start to look for opportunities to be a creator. And being a creator in sales today is more important than it ever has been.
0: There you go. Well, thank you so much. Uh, please go follow Colin, connect with him on LinkedIn and follow the podcast. Follow the uh, Surviving Outside Sales podcast comments. Reach out to the show. Really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Colin, for being on. This has been another episode of Surviving Outside Sales. See you next time.